Hello and welcome to the Where Does Europe End podcast. Uh, this week we'll be talking about European culture and with me we have got uh, Sophie from the project team, we have Timo again and we have a special guest, Frederiki from AJ Thessaloniki and I would ask you all to introduce yourself if you want. Uh, we'll start with Sophie. Hello Sophie and could you introduce yourself for us please? Yeah, I'm Sophie. Um, I'm part of the project Where Does Europe End? And in that project, I'm helping with the finance and also managing the case to the trip. Ah, that sounds lovely. We all know Timo. And we have our special guest, Frederiki. Could you uh, um, introduce yourself for us, please? Of course. So I'm Frederiki, and as Calvin already mentioned, I'm a member of ISA Thessaloniki. Um, I guess my relevancy uh, to this uh, would be uh, my Greek descent. I have always been interested in how uh, it uh, worked and how it developed over the years and how it also influenced modern culture. And potentially we will also see some of this today. Wonderful. Thank you, Frederiki. Thank you for coming. Okay, so... What we're here today to discuss is the, um, I think, the impact on Greek culture and the history of Greek culture on forming European culture in general and how we have European culture. So first, I'd like to pose the question to you, Frederiki, about uh, how much, uh, could you just tell us a bit about the basics of uh, Greek culture forming European culture or whatever you know from your own personal research? And then I guess we'll move across to the others if they know anything. Yes, of course. Uh, thanks for the question, actually. Uh, I guess uh, there are different areas that we would take in mind uh, over the impact that uh, the ancient Greek culture had also to uh, the European culture, uh, both uh, throughout time and also in modern times. Um, I would say that uh, the first, uh, let's say, topic that would easily come to mind would be the alphabet. Uh, we already had alphabets... Uh, existing mostly by the Phoenix, also before ancient Greece. But the revolutionary, I guess, uh, thing with that would be that it's the first one that is not syllable-based, so the first one that included vowels. And uh, this seemed to stick a little bit more with how um, the European languages function at that period of time, and mostly Greek, um, and how they sounded. And it seemed to uh, quite work for them, like uh, it's the one that still uh, Greeks use with certain alterations of some letters, but also you have it uh, in uh, the Latin alphabets uh, after the Roman occupancy of uh, the Greek area. And you also have uh, the Cyrillic alphabet being based also on the Greek one by Cyrillic method, which basically adapted the original Greek alphabet to the sounds uh, of uh, the general Balkan and Slavic area. Um, other than the alphabet, I guess we could also talk a little bit about the general, let's say, philosophical uh, um, movements that were happening in ancient Greece, uh, both on a political and a more theoretical level. You already have... Um, uh, certain ideas arousing uh, as to how to observe nature and how basically to extract conclusions by it. 
so basically you could say that uh, already the beginning of scientific thought and scientific method uh, already appeared in some philosophers of the time. Uh, and you also have the more political side of it with uh, basically how society should function, how uh, people should interact with each other and also risk decision-making. And I mean, one result of that that we all know is also democracy. Uh, we didn't really have it that continuously over Greeks, uh, over Europe, I'm sorry. We had it in basically in ancient Greek. Then we had um, some uh, areas of it not really appearing in a societal level in Europe. And then it kind of re-emerged again uh, in earlier centuries. Um, yeah. uh, other than that, I mean, we can also uh, take a look in uh, more, um, let's say, cultural level and also a little bit over art. Uh, you have, we had, let's say, certain um, concepts of how art should look like, how basically uh, different uh, um, art forms uh, should evolve, uh, whether there were visual ones where you had, for example, the concepts of elegancy and harmony, uh, which are still used uh, in certain um, more visual arts, but also you had uh, longer, uh, let's say, mm, art forms of text, for example, the rhapsodies or approaches like that to uh, how stories should be told. Well, that a great example, for example, is Homer, that are still applied in certain cultural areas over Europe and certain art forms like this. And I guess the final interesting one, because I already mentioned some, would be also the approach to history and how history should be objective. And an example of that would be Thucydides, who tried to basically uh, incorporate into the history that he was noting, uh, mainly for the Peloponnesian War, uh, would be um, how to take basically different sources, different viewpoints of the same thing and incorporate them into something that would be more objective. While before that, we only had more, uh, let's say, different approaches to history. We had people just trying to tell their stories as they experienced them, mostly in, a, in an art form, than actually describing the events and the facts behind that. Uh, I think that also kind of was a revolutionary approach to describing events and facts. But I guess that would be the main points for me. Probably uh, um, people more into the topic may know more about, but these would be the most notable ones, I would say. Yeah. Ah, thank you. Um, does anyone else have any uh, thoughts about this? Uh, Sophie, Timo, Alexandra? Yeah, I think in general, like these uh, points that you pointed out are yeah, also for me, like the, the main things which uh, I think about when thinking about Greece, some of the influences maybe a bit more than the others, like the alphabet, I didn't actually think about it in this way, that it's really just all coming from the Greek alphabet, uh, originating from that. I, I wouldn't think about that directly personally, so that's a nice thing that I then learned again today. Um, but yeah... I also really like the idea of the, of 
the culture, indeed, uh, how certain art forms, and especially also uh, things like um, the comedy and the the tragedy and those kinds of things, also uh, are coming from the from Greek culture and are now like omnipresent, not only in Europe, but I guess they are like they spread over the whole world. Yeah. Okay. So we. And it's uh, what do you guys think about the influences and impacts it has on our culture today? And how different is Greek society today to this original uh, society, do we think? Like, how much has it evolved from the original, uh, like, I don't know, like city-states and stuff that we had uh, back in the BC times? I mean... Uh... It's interesting to see how everything evolved over time. Like, uh, especially on the art forms, I think they're still, let's say, kind of considered classical and therefore applied, even in uh, modern art. Like, uh, I was uh, reading recently about how this separation, for example, in theater happens, that you basically have the classical theater uh, with the approach that... Um, it was introduced back then that you basically have a beginning, a middle, and an end where everything is resolved. And the counter opposite of that, which is kind of the modern theater that uh, Brecht introduced, which is basically planning to lead uh, the, um, the water to just um, consider what happened for themselves. But this is kind of something that in general, I would say, uh, is notable, like, a lot of the things that were considered classical also in philosophy or also in political approaches. Uh, you have basically the old classical way and even the newer things that spawned, the newer things that began are just a response to that. So even if it doesn't directly create these new approaches in philosophy or in art, you still have the base that was set back then and then the new interpretation, the new approach. So kind of a negative impact, uh, let's say, and no, a counter impact, <laughs> basically onto newer approaches and things. Uh, but yeah, getting a bit more specifically um, into Greek, I guess, um, democracy and how it works now, I think things changed a lot, but this was also uh, because basically the last time that we had Greece before the modern state, in actual Greece was before uh, the Roman occupancy because you then had the Roman Empire, you had the Byzantine Empire, you had the Ottoman Empire, and then you have the liberation. So all these new cultures kind of mixed also with the Greek one and how uh, that was working. And it affected a lot how uh, things work also today in society. But, yeah. And for me, what Greece culture uh, bring to us um, is also uh, philosophy, um, its influence uh, of politics today and how we are living in Europe. So I think it's very part of the fundament. Yeah, great. I think, um, I think we can all agree that uh, the ancient Greek culture has had a very large impact on our uh, society today. Next, I would like us, if we're all, if we, uh, no one else has anything else to add, no, wonderful. Next, uh, so I'll just leave a pause because I can get rid of this bit.
So next, we're going to have a quick fire quiz round, uh, as per <laughs> as for a bit of fun for us. So uh, everyone knows how to raise your hand in the chat. So I'm going to say the name of a god or an immortal, and uh, you have to just tell me what what they were for. <laughs> so we'll start with number one, and we number one is Hermes. So what was oh Teo uh, Timo Teo? I mean Teo. No, Timo. but um, wasn't Hermes um, the god of the fire and uh, those kinds of things? I can't see fire. No. 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 Or anyone else? I see Frederiki uh, might know the answer. Oh, Frederiki. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is kind of a spoiler, I guess, <laughs> to what is happening. But uh, basically, uh, Hermes was kind of uh, considered uh, the messenger of the gods, like the one that basically moved the decision of the gods to mortals or uh, demigods and uh, other not as important, let's say, entities. Uh, yeah, pretty much. That's perfect. Um so next, uh, we will go for uh, we will go for what is Prometheus famous for? Oh, Timo, do you know? No, Timo doesn't know. Sophie, so Frederiki. <laughs> Um, so Prometheus was kind of a pretty cool person slash demigod. Um, basically, what the myth is, is that uh, in the beginning only the gods and basically the higher entities, uh, the immortal ones basically only had fire. And still, since he was only a demigod, uh, he shone fairness into that because he could see all the potential uh, Firehat and how it would help basically human and people as well. And for that reason, he stole fire from the gods and gave it to people. And of course, he was uh, punished after that uh, quite brutally, I would say, uh, by the gods. But still fire stayed with people, so I guess that went well. <laughs> I believe his punishment was that he was left on a rock. Uh, and uh, the, an eagle had to peck out his organs every day or something. It was pretty, yeah, pretty disgusting, really. <laughs> Until I th was it Theseus that freed him or Perse Perseus? I can't remember. Yeah, Theseus. But yeah, pretty much because he was a demigod, his liver would grow back up again every day. So the eagle would come and eat it again. And this whole thing went again and again. <laughs> it was it they were like graphic, let's say, with punishment. <laughs> um, okay, and then we'll have one more. Uh, and the last one is, who is, or who was, I guess, uh, Dionysus. Timo, you've got to know this. Yes. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Dionysus was the the god for the um, for wine, right? And uh, yeah, that's it. And yes. parties and, and uh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Uh, you also have the followers. That's also a funny thing to know, the followers of Dionysus, the, the Dionysus, I guess. I don't know the name exactly anymore, but yeah, they are the followers and they uh, really live a life of uh, drinking a lot of wine, uh, enjoying and uh, feasting a lot. Sounds amazing, I guess. <laughs> I think uh, he should be the um, the god of Asia. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought Zeus was our god, Calvin. <laughs> oh, ah. um, no, I, th I think it should be Dionysus. Yes. Or oh, I think they also call him Bacchus. I don't know why. Bacchus, yeah. Ah, know. yeah, that was what I was um, confused with, because the, in Dutch we call them Bacchanten. The, the oh, back ends yeah. or something, and they are the real followers of Bacchus. But yeah, but doing? isn't Bacchus the, the 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 Latin version or like the Roman version, or is it also what? from Greek? It says that they're both from Greek. Uh -huh. uh, I don't. Uh, but yeah, the Bacchus was the name that the Romans gave. But it, they're both Greek words. Apparently, maybe uh, Federici wants to clarify. Yeah, uh, basically the followers, uh, which were usually uh, women, uh, were called Vakhe, which is basically the followers of Vakhos. Uh, and uh, you already had uh, also in that area some um, theatrical, let's say, comedies. For example, the Vakhe from uh, Aristophanes, which were pretty popular back then and also were happening in events, uh, for example, for the Ionysus, where you had uh, theater and approaches like that. And of course, given that popularity, then the Romans also adopted the name and kind of uh, used it more like this than actually Dionysus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think there was also like what you said, like the, the days dedicated to Dionysus, it was like not one day, right? It was like multiple days filled with theater, uh, all kinds of feasts, all kinds of uh, things. Yeah, uh, pretty much uh, theater and in general, these kind of uh, celebrations were pretty popular. Like one of the biggest ones was the one dedicated to Dionysus, which was called Dionysia. And yeah. uh, basically it went, it was a festival going on for quite some days. It had all kinds of celebration or even dressing up as uh, basically half-goated people because of <laughs> certain uh, correlations with the Dionysus. And uh, you also had theater and more, uh, let's say, elevated also cultural stuff along the celebration. Yeah. But actually, we, we might be able to say that this is like the base of all current festivals because humans, they, we still love uh, to have a nice festival. We uh, still did it a lot uh, until uh, COVID hit. So, yeah, I guess <laughs> it's in our uh, soul. And I, I think also something that affects us today is the story of um, uh, Dionysus's uh, mother, who is Persephone. Uh, and um, I think the legend of Persephone is the explanation for the seasons. So um, she was married to, ha to Hades, but she was allowed out for half of the year. So when she came out, it was spring and summer, and when she went back to Hades, it was uh, it was winter and autumn. So it's quite a cool story as well, I think. Mm. Uh, all right, that's great, guys. Now we'll pop over to Sophie, who is going to tell us what we. Oh, yeah. Ugh. 
Um, we'll have to cut there. Um, <laughs> so thanks, guys. I think the winner of the quiz uh, was Federici, <laughs> but uh, we also learned something from the uh, from the nice stories at the end there. Uh, Federici, you've won some Ambrosia next time I see you. Uh, now we have uh, coming up at the end of this week uh, a comp, the first conference from the project Where Does Europe End? And here we have Sophie, who is from the uh, organizing team of the event, to tell us something about it. I think applications have closed, but still, uh, you can hear what you are missing and then hopefully apply for the next one that's coming up. So, Sophie, can you tell us a bit about the event, please? Yeah, exactly. So we will have three-day conference, and uh, this conference will be about the European culture, and we will focus on the roots, the influence, and the expansion expansion of European culture. And it's just all about to understand the European culture we are still living in, and for that we will have nice speakers and nice workshops. So I hope to see you there so it's it's this weekend right sophie the uh, 23rd to the 25th yeah exactly um and how can people get involved even if they can't apply anymore is there a way so in the case that you really miss out on the open call and you still want to join of course there are still possibilities uh, you can always send us an email at uh, our email address info at where does Europe end.eu, and then we um, will answer you if it's still possible to join and uh, what the joining info is. So, really, don't feel uh, like it's impossible to join. It's just uh, the main application period is over. But if you're still very interested, of course, just send us an email and we will see what we can do. Wonderful. Thank you, Timo. Uh, so, I think we've reached the end today. Uh, Thank you very much, everyone, for joining. Thank you, Frederiki, for joining and telling us a bit about uh, ancient Greece, Greek culture, and the influences today, and also for winning the quiz. Uh, it was nice to have you here. Thank you for having me, and uh, have the best of luck with the conference and the continuation of your project. I was really glad to be part of this podcast, at least. Looking forward to the rest. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you to Timo for joining and recording again. And thank you to Sophie for joining and telling us a bit about the conference. If you guys want to get in touch, the link to our website will be a blow again. And I'll see you again in two weeks. Thank you very much.